1: there was a time I had trouble talking about it. Congratulate them, We know they doubted somehow we made it up out the pit back against the wall. Never quit, traversing through each obstacle, show a non-believer what's possible. Let nothing they could do stand in between me and my wildest dreams. Let's go. and that come at
0: us could come in between. Gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green. We've been down in the dirt, been tossed in the trash But I never strayed from my path When we're gone,
1: we ain't looking back Maybe we were all way too high, maybe that's our fault It's gonna be a crazy time, but it's gonna be a fun time Life is boring if you don't take some chances And do some
0: things outside the box Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice And some fancy football advice All right, all right, all right. It is Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. We're just under two weeks away from the NFL season kicking off. Bills, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and the boys, they head to SoFi Stadium to see Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, and fellas. I am back with you. Seth Woolcock here. Jen Pulvote, Nate Pulvote, back from a little bit of vacation for Jen. Uh, She put the PTO in the last couple weeks, so I've respected that. Um, But, guys, we have a very special guest on tonight to help us break down what's happened so far in the NFL preseason. We're also going to learn a little bit more about him. I'm talking about the senior editor at Football Diehards, the host of Football Diehards on Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio, the legend, the GOAT bob harris what's up bob i
2: appreciate the kind intro the the legend is like the nicest way anyone ever says the old guy i love that part uh i appreciate it man it's you know being in this industry so long watching you know all the great new minds and companies coming in uh including you all this is uh it's kind of been a joyous ride for me the the last 30 years and and it just keeps getting better and better because smarter people and more creative people get into the field. And it's just, uh, it's been an amazing run.
0: Well, Bob, we appreciate you being here, man. Um, we know you kind of just got off the radio not too long ago, spitting a lot of fantasy knowledge. And we're going to do more of that tonight. Um, a lot of ha- a lot has happened since the last time we've been live a week ago. Preseason games have happened. Some more cuts have happened as well. Um, I- I'd say overall, it's been a pretty chill preseason, guys. Um, not a lot of big injuries like last season, like we saw with Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins course, the Tim Patrick one that we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, but it's been pretty chill so far. So we're going to talk a little bit more about who are the winners, who are the losers, what are the fancy takeaways we should be accounting for. Um, then we're also going to talk to Bob. Uh, we normally do our off-season sessions. This is going to be more of a preseason session and just learn a little bit more about him, his backstory um, and what the fancy football industry means to him. Guys, if you want to follow Bob on Twitter, he's at football diehard. Uh, make sure you check out the website, the print publication as well. And if you guys enjoy this type of content here at In Between Media, please like and subscribe um, no matter what platform you are on. Um, guys, let's go ahead and get it started here with front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. Give it a chance, you'll be begging for more. Save the spot. Just for you we're oh, all somewhere in between you. i thought you'd come to the place try to have some fun ain't gotta worry oh, about not what it means, means. come and you give me another because the night, night is young, young. Oh,
1: at least
0: i so thought
1: it's just in
0: breaking news front and center all right, front and center, guys. We're going to talk a little preseason here. And, Nate, I feel like my biggest takeaway so far overall looking at the NFL preseason is that we're seeing kind of a shift in it. And we've always seen you know, coaches obviously be cautious with their star starters, their star players, and rightfully so. However, it seems like joint practices have actually kind of become the, the thing that coaches really look forward to the most. It's a controlled environment. If they know the other coach, they, they know, you know a lesser degree of injury risk in these controlled practices. So uh, have you noticed that as well, Nate, just kind of the evolution of preseason so far this season?
1: Well, it's it's interesting with the more controlled, but then also completely out of control practices. <laughs> we've seen, yeah. we've had some brawls. It and it's true. The intensity has been, it's incredible to see because you're, you're getting these guys into like football brain in preseason, they're ready to go. And I think that's more important with only three games versus the four Cause we're trying to take those four games when we get out of those four games and condense them into three. So the joint practices are a big part of that. Cause it feels like, I feel like it's got to feel like a game for most of the week for these guys mm-hmm. and it gets intense and they fight and it's great. And I think that shortening the preseason, like ultimately for health, Seth, which you've said we've seen far less injuries because these guys right. are getting used far less.
0: Yes. Bob, have you noticed the same thing as well?
2: Yeah, Mr. scampers is here and that always makes my night. so <laughs> love Um, so <laughs> uh, so, I love scampers. Um, so, uh, so it has been like it does seem like the bubble wrap is out and it makes perfect sense. Nobody wants the and we're all for that. it's fantasy managers, right? So uh, so I did I did notice the fighting and, and you, you, you would think like this time of year, these guys at the bottom of the roster, they're you know battling literally fighting for a job. But it's not necessarily those guys at the bottom. Yeah. It's some of the higher end guys who are securing the roster spots who you end up hearing about fighting. So I think that is a little bit odd. In the Intensity, physical activity, all these things uh, kind of lend themselves to that. It's contact sports, so I get it. But a little discipline would be nice. The the, the Panthers Patriots seem to, to take <laughs> yeah. it to a to a whole other <laughs> level. Right? They just couldn't be, uh, keep their hands off each other. So um, it is good. But this has been, you know, I, I'm almost afraid to say it. You know the you know the there have been really the injuries that you would often expect and you know i can go back to last year when the you know the ravens issues didn't arise until the last week of august and over the first week of Mm -hmm. september so we're not out of the woods yet but it has been kind of chill as you said seth
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing to keep in mind here, everyone, is that these players are playing for their job. You know, even if you're an established veteran in this league, you know, one hiccup and you're off the roster. And we saw that today. Uh, Kenyon Drake, he was cut recently from the Las Vegas Raiders. And I don't think this comes as a huge surprise. They obviously probably overpaid him a little bit last offseason. However, you know, It's definitely still interesting. They have Josh Jacobs, who they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Zamir White now is, you know, kind of looking like a guy, possibly. Drake last season, 63 carries, 40 targets in 12 games. And Zamir White comes into this. Uh, rookie season 1500 plus yards 22 TDs over the last two seasons at Georgia Um, and you know on the preseason he hasn't been extremely effective 21 for 73 and one on the ground Um, but he has had more receptions this season than he did his junior season at Georgia so uh, super interesting to see you know kind of his development back here a little bit bob are, are you interested in zamir white as a late round guy or, or are you more confident in josh jacobs because of this how does this kind of swing the pendulum for you i want to say no i'm not
2: except i just drafted him in a just moment <laughs> ago i drafted him in the late <laughs> round, so like you know we're at that point in some of these drafts this seems like a you know the gordian knot backfield approach that the new england patriots have always taken no surprise josh mcdaniels yeah. comes from new england dave ziegler the gm also an executive in new england and ziegler said something you know shortly after the draft uh, and they and they added other backs as well uh brandon bolton comes over from yeah yeah who seems to have essentially supplanted uh Kenyon drake so as the the receiving back but but Ziegler said at the time, look, we're going to do it the way we've always done it, which is we're going to let them compete and we're going to game plan. And that's always been the problem with the Patriots. You know, you're sitting there trying to figure out what their approach is going to be any given week to the then and, and then figure out the backfield. I still think, you know, it's that time of year when we get a little angsty about the investments we've already made in best ball and uh, the investments we're about to make. In, yeah. You know, drafts that matter maybe a little more. And then the people out there drafting their home leagues. I think we're I think we tend to overplay these things in our mind a little bit. Like I still think Josh Jacobs is probably going to get the bulk of the work, just like I think probably Antonio Gibson will in Washington. But it's a little scary drafting yeah. people like that this time of year because all you're hearing is the negative spin. Uh, because it is, and you know the media. It turns out we like a we like our stories and our narratives, and we play them up to the degree possible to keep people interested and excited. And really, you know, one of the things we preach on Football Diehards Radio program all the time is don't look through the drinking straw. Don't pay attention totally to the moment. Step back, look at the big picture, put it all in perspective. And the big picture goes back to previous seasons and the history of the coaching staff. So, you know, I'm not saying concerns aren't legitimate when it comes to Josh Jacobs or even the latest with David Montgomery, you know, possibly a timeshare there that we haven't seen before. So all these things are legitimate issues, but I think we tend to overplay them and we get almost like we're allergic to players like "Ah, I cannot touch. You know, you're watching Antonio (laughs) Gibson plummet down the ranks and he's been, You know had tons of touches the last two years i don't think they're all going away but but we're treating it like treating them like that at the moment
0: yeah and you know i i think sometimes that's you know a a little bit of fantasy managers analysts getting inside their head you know just overthinking like you said you know we didn't need to take maybe a more holistic approach Jen, do you agree with what Bob's saying here that maybe we shouldn't hit the panic button yet, whether that's any of these running backs that are kind of plummeting down the ranks, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Antonio Gibson, especially with Brian Robinson's emergence.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there in the same camp. I, I, I love Josh Jacobs. Nate and I were talking about it earlier today about how embarrassingly I love <laughs> the, the Raiders and and how high I, I draft them. So I mean, Zamir White's great. He's great, but Josh Jacobs is definitely going to get the the bulk of the the work. There's no question
1: about it. Well, it'd be weird if he didn't. He's Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's Josh he, Jacobs. He, and the the talent is there. But to Bob's point, like we know what New England did with running backs in the past. And that's kind of scary when you're looking at New England hmm. and Josh McDaniels being there, and you're wondering, yeah. like, what are the actual roles going to be? We could think that Josh Jacobs is going to be the bell cow as far as carries go, and then Zamir White surpasses him. And we're all. I don't back. think Josh
3: Jacobs. Or, uh, is, Josh is it McDaniels, It's un- I don't un- think he has the, the cojones
2: to
0: be <laughs> different. Uh, so so there's, like a,
2: there's a universe where. Like, I mean, you, I can sit here and tell myself a variety of happy stories, and that's kind of what we do as fantasy managers. We mm. like the players we like, and we tell ourselves happy stories. One of the yeah. happy stories I would tell myself about Josh Jacobs is, he's in the last year of his contract. They're going to run the wheels off him. He's a rental car, right? Just drive him in the ditch and run him into the walls and do whatever you want with him and not really be worried about the, the long-term future. And, but but in all these things, there's, a, you know, the Matt Harmon-esque range of possible outcomes, and you want to take that into account, I think, you know, you can figure out what your own most likely end of that range is and work from there. But I think, you know, the thing that Jen is saying, you know, that I would like to do is I like to find these players that people are dialing back on and I want to go reap the value as the price goes down. And yeah. like, I just covered a draft tonight, uh, with one of the flex leagues that Jake Seeley puts on where Antonio Gibson went, I think around nine. Okay. I mean, I'm not a, I, I don't have many mm-hmm. shares of Antonio Gibson, but they haven't been ninth round either, and now yeah. now that they are, I might uh, I might want some of those.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I'll always value at cost, man. You know, the the Absolutely. cost is is always yeah. what dri- kind of drives fantasy managers to or away from a player. Um, guys, let's move on, though, to Carolina here, um, where those scuffles have been taking place against the New England Patriots. And it's Baker Mayfield who is going to be coming out of the tunnel for the Panthers to start the season, guys. Um, I don't think it's a shock to anyone. We kind of knew this is what was going to happen. We saw Sam Darnold. We knew um, the coaching staff is really you know, fighting for their jobs here. Um, I'm still not overly excited by anyone on the Panthers offense outside of Christian McCaffrey right now. I don't think we can expect DJ's DJ Moore's, uh, you know, just lack of finding the end zone to suddenly get better with a guy who was only able to find OBJ in the end zone seven times across two and a half seasons. So I still have my concerns about DJ Moore. Obviously, the volume's going to be there. Bob, are you buying into DJ Moore or any of these other Carolina offensive pieces outside of CMC now that Baker's leading the show? So these
2: are the kind of offenses we love as fantasy managers. You can't go deep, but you can count on the pieces that do work. You know, the funnel mm-hmm. runs through Christian McCaffrey, as long as he's in the locked and upright position and DJ Moore. And I mean, I get it. The touchdowns haven't been there. You know, they weren't there for Kyle Pitts last year either. So uh, touchdowns can come at any time. It's a very volatile number. And I feel like more is overdue, but mostly I like the workload. I chase volume, right? And there's few wide receivers get more volume. I think he's the ideal receiver to target. If let's say you, go with somebody who feels a little volatile earlier, let's say this year, Tyreek Hill, who, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think he's going to be great, but he's on a new team and it's a different quarterback and I, there's uncertainty there. So I think that, and he's a little volatile as it is. So, you know, if you go with a, maybe a boom bus play, you come back around you miss Keenan Allen. So, okay, there's always a DJ more ra- waiting for you. And I, and I think you kind of even it out. There's something about roster construction that we all know inherently. I mean, you can have risky players on your roster without having a risky roster. You know, you build in some some quality depth and some high end volume and some players that you feel confident in. Even if you don't think they're going to be super high end producers, you think they're going to be solid weekly producers that can help you even out the weeks when there are not people. And I think DJ Moore is one of those. Christian McCaffrey. I'm all in on Baker Mayfield. Not so much, Um, you know, and again, like there's some pieces that, you know, that are always a little buzzy around there. You know we've seen Robbie Anderson in the past he's less so now you should change his name back so so all my databases work better <laughs> but uh beyond that uh thanks guys when you do the name change you gotta think about yeah. that uh but uh but you know like Terrace Marshall Jr is a guy that I mean I can remember on draft night I was covering the draft for Sirius and I'm kind of watching my Twitter and I know Matt Wallman really well from the rookie scouting portfolio and it, when Terrace Marshall gets picked he goes this may be the steal of the draft and you know it may well be it may well have been but we'll never find out because it's just like real estate location matters for these players and in the location of carolina is not great for talented young wide receivers to develop and we're hearing talk even now Rashard Higgins is develop you know obviously has some chemistry with Baker Mayfield from their time together in Cleveland but he was also establishing it with uh, Sam Darnold so and that sounds great but i mean I think there sounds great that isn't named yeah. Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. And that's kind of, you know, they're, they're, and those offenses are both a blessing and a curse. We want more players available to us. But when you're drafting those players, knowing that they're going to be the focal point of their offense, it's kind of satisfying.
0: I can't bite it. I can't take, I don't think I can take the bite of DJ Moore, but I, I understand really? the volume. It's a safe player. Nate, are you okay with with the, the lack of upside I think DJ Moore brings? But, I, I mean, Bob makes great points here, though, as well, for, for why maybe we should be investing in Carolina. So I was out on DJ
1: Moore when it was going to be Sam Darnold or Matt Corral. Probably less so if it had ended up being Matt Corral. But now we've got Baker Mayfield. What people forget about Baker Mayfield is that he showed flashes of being a very good quarterback, and he played with a torn labrum last season. So he wasn't he wasn't totally healthy. Am I saying that I think he's going to come out and be a top five fantasy quarterback? Absolutely not. But in super flex, I'm willing to take a gamble on him in a later round. I don't have an issue with it. I think that he has the weapons. And if Christian McCaffrey stays upright all season, I think that there's actually some really good fantasy value in Baker Mayfield and that extends to DJ Moore. And I think there's a chance that Robbie Anderson, we could see him having some flex value. Possibly. It could go completely
0: south. Yeah. It yeah. could go completely I south. I think he's still free but, in drafts, honestly. If we, I and don't know at cost, going.
1: it's not a bad gamble to take. I think that's all I'm saying. Is it at cost with these guys right now? It can be worth the gamble. You're not getting them at a premium price at this point. Right. DJ Moore kind of, but... Okay.
2: Kind of the thing about more though, is, is as I mentioned, it's like Keenan Allen Light. If you're looking for that consistent production, I mean, he's topped at 1,100 yards each of the last three seasons. And I think the only other players to do that, one other player has done that. Stephon Diggs has done that. He's got the longest active streak of consecutive seasons with 1,200 yards from scrimmage. Among all wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Diggs, Tyreek Hill, wow. and Justin Jefferson have two. I mean, the the only thing he doesn't have, it's the 14 career touchdowns. And and like I said, yeah. we're still drafting Kyle Pitts. He couldn't score touchdowns last year either. So right. we're hoping he scores more. If he had scored five touchdowns last year, six touchdowns, we'd be going out of our minds. And the same with DJ Moore. If he had, you know, had that touchdown production. And again, it's the most volatile statistic. So I think, you know, I think there's hope there, but But don't draft him as your wide receiver one unless you're going really old school and running back heavy early. I
0: think I think we're on that new wave now, Bob. I think we're on that new wave of, you know, hammering down wide receiver early. It's changed. You know, the game has certainly changed. But I I think that's kind of where we're heading. And um, guys, speaking of, of the game changing a little bit things are going to shake up in Baltimore a little bit rookie tight end Isaiah Likely he has came to play for the Ravens here in the preseason obviously not going up against the best competition but he is 12 for 144 and 1 so far this preseason and he actually had the most receiving yards among all rookie tight ends coming in here with over 900 so this isn't a slouch um at the position at all um Bob, is, is this anything that, that that you're taking into account, Isaiah? Likely, um, there's a lot of things I think you have to keep in mind here. Obviously, Mark Andrews, um, but is there is there anything holding back them from just throwing him out in the slot occasionally, like uh, instead of Devin Duvernay? Uh, nothing at all, and that's you know, that's the
2: appeal more so than the numbers. Like, right, I remember a guy named Travis Jer- Jerby, a running back uh, of no renown, who averaged like 10 yards a carry in preseason play over the course of his career. He was phenomenal in Atlanta. Green Bay and San Francisco. And once the regular season rolled around, there he is out there on special teams. So I don't want to get yeah. overly excited. But yeah. by the same token, that's what you know, you're looking at a Baltimore offense where, he, as you mentioned, Devin Duvernay and James Prochet are the top two wide receivers, not named Rashad Bateman. So you know, there like I think there is something there. As long as you're spending a really late round draft capital and you're not getting overly uh caught up in the numbers that he's producing, it's been phenomenal, right? Hasn't been Lamar Jackson. And like, isn't it weird, like the other quarterbacks not named Lamar Jackson, yeah. maybe even target the tight ends more yeah. than the quarterback named Lamar Jackson, who targets them plenty. So uh, interesting dynamic there in Baltimore. Obviously the tight ends are a big part of it, but they drafted two tight ends that likely wasn't even the the first one. So I just, it's it's interesting that he's risen up. And I know some people that I've talked to, you know, kind of question the athleticism and mm-hmm. some of the reasons, uh, you know, some of the reasons why he didn't go earlier, Uh, you know, they want to, they want to focus on, but you know, in the NFL opportunities are king and uh, he seems to have put himself in a position to at least get some. So I'm not going to lie. There are late round shares of him now. And some of the best balls I have going on because you know, you're at that point, like we're, we're in this industry. So we're all out there drafting every day. I'm, I've got, if I look here, I got nine drafts ongoing right now, pretty much at all times. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm picking guys just like, oh, yeah, I want a piece of that. But if you're in like a single league at home and you're drafting against your friends and you want to, you know, really focus on that one league, uh, the names like Isaiah Likely are likely not on your radar. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Jen, are are you interested at all in Isaiah Likely? Are you concerned at all that this could mean anything else for the offense? Um, You know, the one interesting thing I think about the Ravens is, they didn't run a lot of 12-man personnel last year, 9%. However, they led the league in 22 personnel. Um, so, obviously, they like using the tight ends when it comes to getting Lamar Jackson Jackson out on the edge in space. Same with the running backs. Um, do you think this means anything?
3: No. No. Mark <laughs> Andrews is the guy. I mean, you can't even argue that. There's, I mean, unless... Unless he gets injured, unless something well, happens, I mean, I guess I'm
0: not taking a, a shot at Mark Andrews. More just can can likely provide something to this offense that because c- exactly like Bob said, I mean, Stuverney, it's, it's Jane Prochet, guys who've been in the league for two years now, and we haven't seen much out of.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, likely is going to be on the back burner. He's going to get fourth look, fifth look ahead of anybody else. I mean, he had a good game. You know, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, he caught it was like eight of his eight targets or something like that. But I don't know. (laughs) I'm not that excited about him yet. But Baltimore
1: doesn't throw the ball, guys. And they don't throw the ball that much.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It's It's a small pie for sure. And, and, you know, I think this could just be one of those things that maybe we are just getting a little starved for football and actually storylines and emerging players and sleepers. Um, and maybe that's what what Isaiah likely is. Um, Nate, any thoughts on just th- this Ravens passing game as we've kind of been t- discussing it?
1: I mean, we know historically that if Lamar Jackson starts all season, we're going to see a little bit less passing production, which is fine from a fantasy perspective because – he does it on the ground too. I think likely could maybe occasionally see some slot work. Like that's not out of the question. But he's never gonna. He's not gonna be a featured receiver in this offense. Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, those are not not in 2022. I like Bateman. I like Mark mm-hmm. Andrews. I don't like Mark Andrews at cost right now. I think that tight end two might be a little high for what. He is actually going to produce this season. Hey, I'm not
2: here for the Andrew Slander. Wait a minute. Oh. I love
1: Mark right? Andrews. I mean, same. I know. Did, did I know. everybody's been long. telling me I'm crazy? I think he. I think to be fair, I think he's tight end four or five.
0: He Nate, doesn't drop out of the top five. Okay. I Nate. just
1: don't think he's tight end two again. fire Cut him off. Kick him out.
2: I, 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 like, you know, I get uh, So I don't think, you know, we're going to see like this, what was it, 17, almost 18 points a game yeah, last season? Yeah. He's not going to get that because a lot of his uh, higher end games came with the other quarterbacks, not Lamar yeah. Jackson. He was at 12 and a half or just over 12 in 2020. I think almost 14 in 2019. Those are both top five positions. I think, you know, you're drafting there the role. Uh, I mean, he's a de facto wide receiver, one in that offense. Uh, you know, and clearly has the skills to do it. But also I think it's just worth noting that he was the second tight end drafted the year he came out by the Ravens as well. Interesting. Uh, and Hayden interesting. Hurst was the first tight end. Yes. drafted.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: It. But anything, mm-hmm. anything you're, you know, like anything you're doing with Isaiah, likely it's a dark toss. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, I get it. I, I noticed a comment and that's one of the things I didn't want to get too deep in the woods here, but the scouting types, not a big fan of his athleticism. Don't feel mm-hmm. much like eyeball test wise, watching him play. He looks like he's bloody athletic. Also, he's playing against uh, fellow scrubs, so yeah, we'll see. You know, again, he might be the Travis Jervy of tight ends. We will find out soon enough. <laughs> but I don't think you want to invest. You know, you don't you don't want to invest serious draft capital in that. Maybe this guy you put just on your waiver wire watch list in your redraft leagues. And if he continues to excel or shows us signs of having a more prominent role in the offense than we expect right now, mm-hmm. then surely be ready to jump on him.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, let's talk about someone we know who probably should be the number one receiver on their team. And that's Christian Kirk. He looked pretty good in his Jacksonville debut. Uh, He went five for 54 in the 40 snaps with Trevor Lawrence, eight targets on the night for Christian Kirk. So really what you kind of wanted to see out of Kirk, he made one very, very athletic catch. Um, I I highly suggest you go check out that highlight. It was a really, really nice catch. Um, Guys, I'm interested in Christian Kirk. I've been interested in him all offseason. I might be a little bullish, but I haven't projected for about 136 targets. So I think he's going to be the number one there. Jen, I, I need you to just defend him right now because Nate and I have been kind of at odds about this all off season long. He's tried to talk about LaVisca still and Marvin Jones. I have and I,
1: let go of LaVisca.
0: And I just can't take it. So Jen, please <laughs> just t- tell me what I want to hear right now.
3: I mean, I, I really like what I've seen from Christian Kirk. I mean, he's done a great job. Laviska obviously kind of just fizzled for us last season. There was, it, it, I mean, I have to live was, in a household where Nate is so high on him that I just have to hear doesn't it. Doesn't he hear have a shirt?
0: A Laviska shirt? I do. No. Not. He,
3: but he changed his Twitter, or Avi, or banner, or something like that to. Uh, I did. Fiska. Yeah, so something. So, like, I've made hard. mistakes
1: in the past, guys. I will admit this. All right. <laughs> it's, I and am we human.
3: Do. We all do. We all do. So, forgiveness there. Um, but I'm excited to see what Christian Kirk can do with Trevor Lawrence. I want to see them connecting more. I, I think this is an exciting um, addition to the team. It's obviously a brand new team this season, as far as coaching and we've got a TN back and um I I think all of that's going to be exciting and to see Christian Kirk kind of flourish in this new system could be really interesting I'm I'm excited to watch it
0: Duval baby Bob you you, you rolling with Duval and uh Christian Kirk here
2: yeah I liked him better when I was getting him in the eighth and ninth round I don't <laughs> yeah. like seventh round Christian Kirk nearly as much as I yeah. like ninth round Christian yeah. Kirk any more than I like six round Alan Lazard, more than I like 10 round, 10th round Alan Lazard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's kind of how it goes, and that's one of the reasons you start drafting early. But but I do think, you know, you know, there's when our teams not lying, when they spend their money and they burn their draft capital, uh, they spent their money on Christian Kirk. They have, I mean, certainly they're gonna try and push him into a prominent role. Uh, Zay Jones has something to say about this. By golly, uh, and and so like between the Joneses and the uh, Kirks and and the, the Laquan Treadwells and the Jamal Agnew. Sorry, Lavisca Chenault. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the the run is over, and it just it's a reminder that that uh, that athleticism alone, you know can get you into the NFL. It cannot get you a role in the NFL because it turns out everybody's super athletic. Wow. Who knew? Right. You know? And uh, so like in college, there's like maybe a five a to 10% difference right. between the most talented yeah. and the world and the field. Right. In the NFL, that separation is about a half a percent. Everybody is crazy athletic. Everybody's crazy good. And Chanel might be at the high end of that scale. Right. But it just can't, hasn't been able to translate into a role. Right. And I don't know that the new coaching staff, sees that i think the things that i'm looking at you know love christian kirk at the right price i have tons of him because i was getting him cheap earlier i don't think it's a horrible price now uh and uh watch the tight ends too the cheap tight ends if you're into cheap tight ends even all the way down to my guy dan arnold uh who is still going to
0: have a role mm-hmm. they're
2: going to run tons of two tight end mm-hmm. sets there and doug peterson if one of those tight ends can throw they're getting you a touchdown at some point
0: yes sir philly special we've seen that before absolutely Uh, Guys, I I love it. I love the discussion here on all the positive notes of the preseason. However, there have been some sketchy negatives, and it starts here in Kansas City with Sky Moore. Um, Has has not been great preseason for Moore. Um, There was Hardman who's been out with an injury. Juju's been out with an injury, and he was still behind Justin Watson and MVS. So he's kind of getting buried here on the depth chart. Justin Watson's kind of trending now. Uh, you You look on Sleeper right now. He's going up. Uh, people are talking about him a little bit more now. Um, but with Juju banged up, he is expected to be back um, for week one, is what Andy Reid told us the other day. Um, however, more still going wide receiver 51 in ESPN drafts right now. This is ahead of guys like George Pickens, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, guys who probably should have cemented roles here. Uh, Bob, are we blowing are, are we blowing the hype out of control, or were we earlier on, on Hart, or, uh, Sky Moore, and now it's kind of correcting itself? Like we're all drafting patrick mahomes or you know that's that's the appeal for guys like
2: sky Moore. and look the chiefs is having an interest in him and spending their draft capital on him makes something but not every receiver develops or turns into an immediate contributor says Michael hardman uh and so uh, you know th- this might possibly be the same path it might be a lengthy process for sky Moore, or it, this the the flip might switch at any time right i mean you see guys come up you know kind of get it all of a sudden and come on Maybe he just needs to learn, you know, talk of him using him in a varied ways. Maybe there at some point he finds a, a way into the lineup and then mm-hmm. leverages that into something more. But like that, we're having this conversation tells you uh, that he's probably being overdrafted at this point. And I think people, you know, MBS has been the constant there. Maybe just because he's healthy, uh, despite drop passes, etc. because he does something that those other guys don't do, which is that next gen number. That's I think in the last two years, only one receiver has run faster than Tyreek Hill, and his name is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Don't tell uh, me that. <laughs> it was 21, 21.9 for Hill a couple of years ago, and I think it was 22.1 uh, for MVS. Uh, so, you know, but but also defenses are playing them different, right? The, we saw it last year, the two high safeties that were kind of, they were mm-hmm. trying to shut down the deep ball, and they did it pretty effectively, and Patrick Mahomes went to the shorter and intermediate game, and it kind of left made a slightly sketchy season for him. So, you know, again, I, I want to invest in this in this receiving core. I want to do it at the right price, but I also want to do it with someone who I think is going to get opportunities. I don't know that that's Sky Moore.
0: Yeah, we, we, we've we've been a big uh, I, I should say I don't want to speak for Nate. He's been in the MVS camp for years. I've been I, have never I won't been. touch you with a 10 feet pole type of guy. Uh, I've, I, you know, it's kind of become part of the brand here. We, we are an MBS hating show. We're gonna to continue to do that. I wish his family. I wish his, you know, wish him all the success. But I, I don't know if I do. I <laughs> just drafted him yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Nate, uh, I know you've kind of been off sky more too. Do you agree with Bob here that he's not gonna get the usage to make it worth your redraft investment? Well. No, I
1: I completely agree, and I profiled Sky Moore early in the offseason before the draft, and I, I really like Sky Moore, but I think one of the things that I really settled on when I was profiling him is that he's not going to be ready year one. This is a guy who needs to be a wide receiver four, wide receiver five, behind some actual like veteran guys get a feel. He played at Western Michigan. He didn't play in a big conference. He didn't play against some of the better talent in college football. Good point. I still love his talent, but he needs a year. And when he got, when Kansas city drafted him, and some of the overreactions that you see to some of these draft picks is incredible. People were comparing him to Tyreek Hill. And I'm, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. these people, did you, did you watch any of his college film? He's not that fast. He's talented. He's quick. He doesn't have that burst of speed, and he will be something in the NFL at some point, more than likely. But it's not gonna be this season. He's not gonna be fantasy relevant in two thousand twenty two. It's just there's no way that Andy Reid's gonna put him in a position with the other pieces that they have in that offense. They have Juju, they have MVS, injuries. as much injuries as you mean injuries that, that could push him thing. into it. They have Justin, help. Right, exactly. We've <laughs> got Justin Watson. So you're yeah. looking at a guy who's going to get an opportunity. He's a dynasty buy, probably not at cost right now for me, but eventually will be a dynasty buy mid-season. But for redraft, I don't know why, unless he gets some time because of injury, you can get him on the waiver wire.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. Right. I think, I think you know, so like, I mean, in Justin Watson's case, there's a little history for him in Tampa Bay. He was the Skymore of Tampa Bay. Yeah. Or maybe even, you know, so like, I, I mean, there's guys can rise up, but the, the things, everything Nate was saying about Sky Moore, we could say the same thing about Christian Watson, Romeo doves. Right. Mm-hmm. But we like them a little better. Cause it seems like the opportunity is going to be there. Certainly. And so, and again, with all rookies opportunity, watch for those chances. And right now I don't see Moore's path to workload uh, changing and it could, you know, I, anything is possible. Nothing surprises me after covering this league for the, as long as I have, yeah. but I mean, you know, guy miko Hartman never got really a, a real opportunity. He's still waiting for his real opportunity. Maybe he gets it this year, but I'm not even certain he gets it gets it now. So more, wait your turn, young man.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Will Traylon Burks wait his turn, though? That That is the next question here. Um, likely not starting week one. Traylon Burks comes out this week. Um, the ADP has fallen on Traylon Burks after, you know, again, a lot of preseason, pre-season early hype on him. He's now the wide receiver 53 off the board in ESPNs, which a lot more fair than he was. I, I saw a lot of underdog drafts earlier this offseason. He was like wide receiver 35, 36 for a lot of it. Falling back now. Um, Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akini and, uh, Kyle Phillips. They look like they're going to be the starters here for Tennessee in week one. I still like Traylon Burks. I still have him. I'm probably gonna have to tweak some things now, but I I did have him as my, my, like number one projected wide receiver for this team, but I don't really like this team in general. So it's kind of a, a, a full avoid outside of Derrick Henry for me. Um, Jen, do you have any hope for Traylon Burks here or is this kind of just an avoid situation for you too in Tennessee?
3: so i accidentally autoed him in one of my <laughs> leagues which was <laughs> i stepped back and i was like well i guess it could be worse i mean i could have yeah. autoed like deshaun watson i don't know but um yeah I'm, I'm kind of same with you like there's nothing too exciting here he's 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 fine That that's it he's fine
0: some of the metrics for, for Trey Burks, I don't know. They, they weren't as impressive as I thought a lot of the, the rookies coming in this season. He wasn't – like pe- people thought he was going to be this athletic freak who was super fast, but you actually look at the 40 time and the speed the, – the burst score, it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be, and I think that's kind of why he fell even a little bit more in the draft than some thought. He, he appears to play faster than those
2: numbers show, but either way, I mean, you know, so – like. I was on, we were talking before the show and I was on with the front yard fantasy guys playing the jeopardy. And one of the categories was, you know, the, uh, the, the odds uh, and who is the rookie, uh, the odds on favorite to lead the rookie receivers in receiving yards. It's trail on Burks. I was shocked. I had Drake wow. London among others. And I was pretty shocked because number one, it's the Tennessee Titans. Everybody, they, prefer to run the ball uh when given the opportunity and so and and i, I think robert woods is an underrated asset for them a guy that's you know been highly productive pretty much over the course of his time and like los angeles much more pass heavy offense obviously than tennessee because every offense is much more pass heavy than, than tennessee <laughs> right. so and and you know kyle kyle phillips getting all the run you know the love Rables comment about him he hunts rabbits with a hammer yeah uh, i believe that <laughs> means he's very quick and so you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of sexy pieces, but like Burks comes in and, you know, we all projected, like he is A.J. Brown because why? They let A.J. Brown go and yeah. they drafted yeah. him with that pick. And so yeah. in our minds, yeah. we make that instant correlation and it turns out, you know, he wasn't ready to contribute and, and put in the work in OTAs and that puts him behind the curve. Now we see him in preseason games playing the entire game and we hear Westbrook Akini will be the starter opposite with open the season. I don't think he's going to finish there. I think, you know, I think he'll finish – as a starter and he'll probably have some productive games but thinking he's going to be a consistently productive guy his rookie season i think is a little bit of a reach for me and i'm yeah, he, he's not a 10-foot pole guy because there's no such thing for me
0: everyone okay. comes
2: at the right price but yeah. i have not seen that price yet
0: okay Okay, fair enough. Um, Guys, just before we move on to the interview with Bob here, I did just want to touch on a couple injury uh, notes as well. Um, No timetable for Kenneth Walker to return. Uh, He got the OG hernia injury. He's got the OG hernia injury, um, so we wish him the best for him to be back. But we don't know if he'll be back for week one. Rashad Penny could get some heavy usage here early in the season. Keep that in mind in upcoming drafts. Uh, Matt Corral, unfortunately, suffers a Liz Frank injury. Um, luckily, this is something we, we've heard this a lot from uh, one of our injury specialists, great friend of the show, uh, Deepak. And he always talks about how Liz Frank is one that you don't see the, the heavy drop off in year two removed from it. So Matt Corral, he could still have some value here in the future for the Panthers. Don't lose hope quite yet. Um, and then Michael Thomas this is kind of the big one. I think here is Michael Thomas. He has a hamstring injury. And I am worried about this a a little bit more just because it's Michael Thomas. Um, Of course, uh, head coach comes out, downplays it quite a bit. Um, But I still don't know, man. I I don't know if I can take the risk here. Uh, Wide receiver, 28 off the board in ESPN drafts, 75th overall. So it's a nice discount for Michael Thomas. But is Michael Thomas still Michael Thomas? Nate, what is your thoughts on this?
1: I don't know that Michael Thomas is going to prove to be Michael Thomas. I mean, he hasn't been on the field for the better part of, what, two seasons at this point now almost. Um, <clears throat> he's been kind of a diva in the locker room, so you wonder how that's going to play out. And what if we get – let's say he comes in healthy. We get three or four weeks into the season and Winston is inaccurate like we've seen him in the past, and he's missing the mark on Thomas, and Thomas turns into a diva like we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. do. And then it just, then everything just goes off the rails. I feel like there's too too high of a chance of those things stacking up, seeing that situation. I feel like it's almost a tinder fire with him in New Orleans. And I I mean, at cost right now, I can't in good conscience draft him, I can't do it.
2: Let me show you my asbestos gloves that I have standing by just for these occasions, because (laughs) I will run into that burning building of value and drag Michael Thomas out all day long. So, so talking to the beat writers that cover this team on a daily basis, going back to even before the draft, you know, when he was first around, he was at the facility and Mike Triplett from ESPN, Catherine Terrell, now with ESPN, The Athletic, Larry Holder, talked to all these people, uh, Nick Underhill, uh, so many, John Hendricks from SI, they all, all say the same thing, that he looks like he's, number one, that the, his mindset is good. Granted, that could change the first time he gets punched in the mm. mouth in practice. Who knows? Right. But, but the, you know, the, I think the thing is nobody should expect 2019 Michael Thomas. That guy's gone. Any more than you should expect mm. 2013 Josh Gordon. That's not happening either, kid. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, 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 like, Michael Thomas before 2019 was still pretty good Michael Thomas. I get it. You know, Jameis Winston, it's not the same quarterback. It's not the same play caller. There are going to be shifts. There are other pieces here that can be productive in Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, you know, can be a playmaking threat. But I, I felt like for most of the off season, the price was right. Uh, now it's climbing. And again, you know, so I'm not going to be able to draft anyone pretty soon because everyone's getting too expensive for me. I'm just going to sit at draft going, nope,
0: not drafting anybody.
2: <laughs> uh, but, but the, but I do think, you know, all the beats say the same thing that, that he looks really good, uh, that he's going to play a prominent role. And so, know we're not there we can't see what's going on and sometimes we have to keep in mind that the reporters have a little narrative they've been reporting a story they tend to stick with like peter king once said do you root for teams? no i root for my stories uh you know and so when we when -hmm. we create you know we create these narratives sometimes it's hard to let go and you know no but but there are some of these people are trusted mike triplet big time fantasy player uh you know who knows what we're after he'll swear by this so you know i'm still in and i don't think the price has risen so much that it's cost prohibitive for me yet um but if it goes much higher it will be
0: yeah yeah okay so so bob's saying he he can still run into that burning building michael thomas he's still interested uh but you know the the price as as we get into august as we get later in august the price on all these wide receivers that were once a value may not be so much Um, Guys, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. We are going to jump into uh, our short interview with Bob, learn more about him, his journey uh, through such an ever-changing landscape that the fantasy football industry has been the last couple of years. So let's go ahead and jump into our off-season or preseason session, as you want to call it. All right. And before we get started here, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the IBT family members in the chat tonight. Um, we, we got uh, DD here. We got Brad. We got Mr. Scampers, Albert. So many of the, the usual faces here. We appreciate everyone making time out of their day for us. Craig, uh, appreciate you all. Um, let's go ahead and move forward here. Bob, you have been around fantasy football for uh, quite some time. Um, and c- can it's you... True can you tell us though can you take us back to before fantasy football was a part of your life what was it like where you grew up and and what were you really about as a kid
2: uh i was about music played in bands loved the music played sports too played football you know did all the kind of you know football was the only sport played, wrestling football mm-hmm. and uh but really into music uh you know and that was kind of the you know the cool thing so i really loved that went to college played a little football in junior college and then uh injuries uh, put the kibosh on that and so then I just kind of sat around doing nothing wondering which direction my life would take and
0: uh and I'm kind of still at that point I don't know
3: <laughs> aren't we all
0: Nate I feel like I feel like you've always kind of appreciated Bob's love for music I think that's something you guys have kind of connected on with uh, really from the get-go
1: it's true, uh, Bob. I was shocked to find out how much of a metalhead you are, and <clears throat> we have a very similar taste in metal. Which I don't know, I don't, honest. Let's be honest here, Jen. How many people do I know that have a similar taste in metal? All of I mean, our friends look like, at me like I'm weird, except for like all, five, one but friend. they're all Twitter friends. <laughs> <laughs> they are, it's true, they're all Twitter yeah. friends. Yeah, all of my music friends, I've I have no people that I know in real life on a day-to-day basis that will listen to any of the music I listen to.
2: This is the same for me. So, you know, like, and that's okay. I enjoy it. You know, it's one of the great perks at Sirius is they let me select the bumper music. And, and so going in (laughs) and out of breaks is always something I like and, uh, and everyone can deal with it or not.
0: Yeah. Gets you feeling (laughs) good. Gets you pumped up. Bob, so when does fantasy football come into this equation in your life? When did just playing it uh, start for you?
2: It was 1986. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a friend had gone to uh, another land called San Diego to do some work. I live in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, and so uh, this friend came back uh, from a job and said, hey, you guys, I found this thing. To so the little group of friends that we had. And I found this thing, and you're going to love it. And he was uh, 100% correct. We did love it. It was fantasy football. It was amazing. And, uh, and it, it struck me about a week into playing it, we don't know enough to do this right you know that was the thing that really hit hard mm-hmm. to me was like man there's we need to know more about these things and so that became one of my uh purposes in life was to find out more than the people i was competing against in order to crush them and destroy their entire life so that kind of uh, you know eventually turned into a thing like I, I said i'm probably not the only one who wants mm-hmm. to know these things perhaps there are others out there and turns out there were others out there and this was uh I think in 1993 i turned it into a business and i was like a graphic designer and did all kinds of things you know to and and so i made a little newsletter for uh my league in which i just belittled all the other people in the league and put out some stats and things like that so (laughs) so eventually you know i just said man i wonder if i could
0: turn this into a
2: thing and you know lo and behold 30 years later it's kind of a thing and i still do it so i guess it's worked out reasonably well
0: it's amazing that, that, that you know just just the ingenuity to have that as a as a as a young person when, when was that when you started like how old were you at that time would you say I was pretty old at that time already
2: uh, and again wandering aimlessly through life looking for the thing that I was going to do mm-hmm. i was dabbling in some engineering things and the graphic design and stuff so I was about thirty when I got into this you know got into mm-hmm. playing fantasy closing in on thirty and then when I started it as a business I was a little over thirty so it's been about 30 years in the business now, so uh, you can do the math. It's it's not pretty. I'm not going <laughs> to deny it, um, but nonetheless, uh, so it's you know it's kind of been really cool being here throughout. I mean, just to date myself a little further, the first few years that I did this, '93, we were a uh, it was an email. It was not an email, but it was a mailed out U.S. mail newsletter, and since I was a fancy pants graphic designer, it. Couldn't just be any newsletter. It had to be, I had to get it to the typesetters and the image setters the night before get it to a printer, actually print it with high quality wow. uh, processes and then get it in the mail and get it to people hopefully by the weekend. But just in case, I said, well, I know we'll use the facsimile device uh, to transmit some <laughs> other papers. And so so what I did the uh, first year was uh, so everyone got a fax on Thursday, Friday or Saturday, their choice with the latest updated information. I got this because I knew a kid uh who had gone to the University of Arizona studied media he had gone back home to New York and he worked for WFAN radio as a producer his name is Steve Cohen uh he's now the boss of serious sports he's the vice president in charge of all serious sports so he's done well slightly better than me okay Steve I don't mind but he would call me every day and he would say hey Harris I got these things here's the number you know and he would give me the information I would put this into And I would send this fax out to the subscribers who requested the fax. Wow. Well, the early portion of this was I had a single phone line, a single computer, and everyone wanted their fax at a certain time. And I kind of promised them they would get that. So if everything went smoothly, all the faxes went out, you know, it was a handful of faxes and they went out quickly. But if like one person thought, where the hell's my fax? I'm calling. And he got in between faxes. The whole system crumbled, and I sat there clutching my heart in uh, the puddle of sweat in my chair, uh, crying to myself quietly as I tried to get things back on track. The next year, though, I uh, found a thing called fax broadcasting, which allowed me to send one fax, and all the faxes went out at the same time. And I'm like, oh, wow. the, the world this is the best thing ever, until one of my subscribers came the next year. It was 95, and, and he said to me, wow, have you ever heard of a thing called the World Wide Web? I said, no, tell me more. He said, "Let me tell," and he did tell me, and I went, "Oh my!" Uh, so this is a great thing. I, you mean I can do all these things that I've been doing and spending money to do, and I can do them for free, and I can scale this up into the millions of people if I so desired or the demand came. Yes. All right, I'll do that. Wow. And so, uh, I, out of you know necessity, I became a you know a web designer. And I was actually pretty good at it. Became a an award winning web designer in addition to writing all the football stuff. And uh, and it, it struck me like like I can look like anybody. I mean, people look at you know what I'm making on the internet. They can think I'm like Microsoft if I want to make look as fancy as Microsoft. And and it struck me this is a great thing. So I started focusing on that end of it and uh, worked with uh, with a number of people early on in the industry. David Dodds in particular from Football Guys. He and I spent probably. I want to say 12 hours a day on the phone uh, hacking into things we found on the interwebs that would might allow us to, or help us make money with our various projects. And, uh, and it was a great time. And also at the same time, producing the football content, I don't do any of the other stuff now. I just produce the football content and that's kind of cool. Uh, But it, it was really neat being a part of that kind of early part of the industry where, there were a handful of us doing it, and some of us are still standing. John Hansen uh, was around at that time, but I probably designed websites for most of these people. I mean, the football guy's website is still has remnants of my original design. Hansen's website, uh, you know, I designed that. The Fantasy Insights website. I mean, wow. there were a number of it. Because why? Because wow, maybe if I want this to be an industry, we should all look pretty good, right? Mm. And so uh, it just seemed like a, a wise thing to do, even though uh, I. Didn't really make money at it. Again, if I do this for another five years, I'm going to break even. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but, but, but until that, but no, it just was a great thing and kind of watching the the progression and some of the things behind the scenes of how I got the information early on. You know, it turns out, you know, every single person who played fantasy football called every single team's media relations department, and so. I did the same, and I said, oh, wait, those people are all calling? Well, do this. Give them this phone number. Give me the information, and I'll take all those calls. You just give them that number. And, like, by the time, I think by 1996, uh, I think, like, I want to say 25, 26 teams, uh, if you called and said the word fantasy to them, they just hit a recording and gave my number. And so, uh, so that was pretty convenient. And I did some things, like had a 900 number. Where back in the day, you scored your league with the USA Today that came out on mm-hmm. Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone wanted that little edge. Well, I would go on my CompuServe device and uh, download <laughs> the AP scores that uh, the USA Today would print the next day, and I would read them into my nine hundred number, and uh, and that's kind of how I lived for a few years. Was uh, off the proceeds of that nine hundred number, kind of funded the entire enterprise. So there were a lot of things going on, and just watching how the NFL kind of went from being totally disinterested to totally realizing, wow, these people watch every damn game till it ends. So let's do something for them. And, and now here we are now. So it's, it's, it's been really interesting to see uh, the progression of this thing.
0: That is incredible. That might be the greatest promo I've ever, we we could ever cut on this show. I mean, that just to hear from the free internet days to, to make it all the way to here is, is absolutely incredible. And, just your ingenuity, you know, designing other people's yeah. sites. And like I designed sites, Bob, but, but it's on WordPress, you know, it, it, it's easy. Like you're, you're coding. And like I was, you- I was like,
2: uh, so I'm going
0: to, you know, not to take credit, but I
2: came up with a lot of really innovative ideas back in the day because as a graph designer, I wanted a certain look and appearance. I wanted things to look like they were typeset. And, and yeah. so, you know, using the invisible gifts to kind of, you know, Uh, move things around and make arrangements and and and, you know trick the html into believing that it could be a high-end uh typesetting type thing was was a lot of fun so and also like you know at the time bandwidth was a big deal so making images that looked really high-end but were were like two colors you know like sitting there and making a, a full color image and then like spending hours condensing it down into the fewest colors possible so I loved all that stuff uh, as much as I love the football portion of it. Uh, I'm glad also that I no longer do that portion of it because it was a lot. I I,
0: I can't imagine like, like just keeping up with football today is so much. And, you know, it, it's a never ending game. And then right. factor in all those small things that, you know, t- today you just get, you know, you find your image off your platform and, you know, you kind of go with it. It's just it's incredible, man.
2: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and and again, uh, you know, the football. I made this reference earlier, but it's become a three hundred sixty. You know, when we, before we came on, it's a three hundred sixty five day a year reality show. There was a time when there was an off season, and like people who did what we do, uh, got ahead. You became, yeah. you You know, you could add, there were actually sleepers. People didn't know what was going on the offseason. Now everybody knows. And I think our job has almost become more of managing the information and making sure people aren't over, you know, they're they're able to get the information the way they can process and find useful as opposed to like sitting there on Twitter doing what we're doing, which is watching 8 million beat writers just like pump things out to us constantly, yeah. uh, you know, trying to, you know, look through that and sort through that and get the, get the wheat from all the chaff is as big a part of the job as anything now
0: mm-hmm. Nate what other questions do you have for Bob here as, as you uh we round out the show just
1: to, just to, I found this fascinating my dad was a graphic designer when I was a kid growing up so I understand the, the toil that you went through because it's about the same era the 80s and 90s and we scored my first fantasy football league together out of the USA today on Monday nights watching uh why can't I think of their names now? Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff, and Al Michaels, those, that three trios. So that's a, that was a really neat story. I, I connected with that. And I have to ask you, how did the Allison Chains league come about? Uh, so they love
2: fantasy football. And so
1: wait,
0: wait, wait, so wait, you're in a league with Allison Chains. No, so
2: I host it. I don't, I haven't, I haven't played it. And I've hosted it every year and I'll okay. host it again this year. tentatively set for September six people on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. <laughs> um, But, uh, but yeah, Jerry Cantrell and Mike Inez from Alice in Chains are huge fantasy players. And it uh, turns out a lot of people in the music industry are. And uh, you know, some of the like past players, Vinnie Paul, I mean, just people I'm big fans of, the, the late Vinnie Paul. The trophy is now the Vinnie Paul trophy uh, for that league uh, wow. that they play. They but Duff McGagan mm-hmm. has been a regular in that league uh, since it started. Uh, Scott Ian from Anthrax, uh, among others. And so it's kind of a revolving cast of some of the others, but uh i'll tell you this about jerry cantrell and mike inez they know football jerry cantrell's is thoughtful and a, an analyst of football for a guy who likes two teams i mean seattle and pittsburgh he's a fan of two teams i don't know how you do that i'm fans of zero teams because i hate them all equally yeah uh, it helps me <laughs> uh but but you know these guys are like really thoughtful really knowledgeable fantasy players and they love the game and so it's been really great and uh and I will say, uh, just uh, one of the greatest moments of my life was Michael Bublé coming on my show and singing me an old Nazareth song, Razzmatazz, uh, wow. in order to get into the Allison in Chains League uh, by singing some metal to me. So uh, <laughs> kudos to him. Uh, and he's better. like, they're all super competitive. Michael Bublé is like nuts competitive in that league, and all wow. these guys are. Jeff Garland plays in that league a fair amount. Uh, nice. There's been a number of people that are, that have kind of come and gone, but those are kind of the mainstays.
1: Wow, that's. That's awesome. All right, yeah. I have no more questions. If you ever need a really crappy, like <laughs> mediocre metal drummer in that so, league, just let me know. I would I'm be, the drummer. Eh. You're probably a better drummer than me. So
2: I can draw. I can drum and guitar, but I'll tell you this: you know, you, you don't get a lot of career highlights, and and this is probably going to sound odd to people who like to think of career highlights in various ways. But sitting in Jerry Cantrell's living room, playing with his hairless cats while he talked about songwriting uh, for a couple hours was uh, was. Was
1: pretty cool. Wow. I mean, Allison Chains is probably one of my favorite, like, five all-time favorite bands. So I can't even imagine. He has hairless cats, though. I
2: love he has them. hairless cats.
1: I love that's tracks for is, me.
2: Is that, yeah, just, why,
1: why? Why? He hairless? calls them rats. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: but, yeah. So, so, so there's a there's a reason for this. I think it's an allergy kind of thing uh, for mm-hmm. him that it keeps that to a minimum. Uh, they're really nice cats.
0: Very nice. I believe it. I it. Very nice, Jen. Any final questions for Bob here?
2: I guess probably
3: what uh, the biggest lesson you've learned on your journey.
2: uh so uh, I'll you know use a movie quote here: "Endeavor to persevere." If you've seen *The Outlaw* Josie Wales, they, one of the characters says that. You know, endeavor to persevere. It's like a. It, it sounds silly and it sounds stupid, but. So how often in your life, like I wandered aimlessly for the first 30 years of my life. I had no idea where I was going to go. I was doing all kinds of dastardly things and had no direction and was felt like I was just wasting my life. And then all of a sudden I found this thing that turned into a hobby, right? It was fantasy football. And then realizing, wow, maybe I could turn this into something more. I loved it so much. And I loved all the pieces that were associated with it. The gathering of information and the, the, the level of detail you could apply to it and then you know throw in kind of the technical end of it as well early on i thought man i would like to turn this into a job and do this and and so i did and i just think you know early on it, it was not easy right and so and people thought i was insane and those people were probably not incorrect and a lot of people didn't even know what the hell i was doing i would my parents would come over I said, mom look at this this is what i do and i would show her the uh, website on a computer mm-hmm. she goes you make computers? No, mom. And and, and that didn't even get into the football part of it. And then what do you mean? Like fake football? People just had no idea what I was doing. And to watch that slowly shift over time was super satisfying. But also like, you know, know, I was convinced the minute I started doing it, this is going to be the biggest thing ever. I didn't know how long it would take and I didn't really care. I was too stupid to quit. And uh, here I am uh, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day saying, wow, I'm glad I didn't quit. But that's the thing. Endeavor to persevere is the lesson. Just keep going. If you find something you love and you think you can turn it into a job, don't give up on it easily. Um, There might be times you have to do other things and there might be times you have to adjust and kind of your path might wind a little bit, but, but stick with that thing you love because it can come back and treat you really well.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think Nate and I are flip-flopped on that. Where we spent the first 35 years wandering aimlessly, you know, not knowing what we were doing and then
1: here we, we are. Somehow found this and we Yeah, and love it's
3: it. still so. the beginning, but right. you know, we really think that we have something, so sticking to it. And I think I can say the same for Seth who's in his early 20s versus us who have landed squarely in our 40s as of this year um never too late
0: to start never too late late. I
3: think that's great advice
0: yep yeah Bob I I can't thank you enough man for not just coming on and sharing your fantasy football analysis tonight but sharing your story man I mean that that really I know how much time this takes now I think we all do but you know for for you to be doing it for so long and grind it out you know back in the times you did and, and to still make time for people like us today, you know, the smaller groups that, that says a lot about you as a human being, man. So thank you for that. So
2: this is the thing anyone out here is listening, you know, if you could, you know, a little time, it's not hard to come by and you could mean a lot to people and it means a lot to me, right? Like these relationships that you build in this business, this is, you know, I need guests on my shows. I need contributors in my magazines. I need things too. And these relationships and building these relationships, this is how I find out, wow, this makes my product better meeting all these new people who have these great new ideas that far better than what I'm doing and far more imaginative and innovative. Because honestly, if I tried to get in this business today, I don't think I have the the football chops, the, uh, you, you know, you look at some of the people get in the business. I mean, there's little there's doctors and engineers and data scientists mm-hmm. who are finding this. And I mean, super smart people. Uh, and uh, I don't know that I'm that super smart. I'm just more determined. But if, you know, But this is how you build relationships with those people. You go out and you get to interact and talk to them. And this has been fantastic. And I appreciate every invite. And I think it means something to me when people take the time to give me an invitation. So I try to make good on it.
0: Well, man, you absolutely did tonight. We cannot thank you. Uh, Thank you again, Bob, just for coming on, you know, sharing the love, sharing the story. Um, You really are one of the pillars of this industry. And I'm excited for what's coming next for you, man. Uh, I know you still got a lot le- lot of talent left in you, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff coming down the road. So, uh, too stupid to quit. So, yeah. <laughs> i love it man i love it um guys one one more time follow bob at football diehard on twitter check out the website as well um it's honestly just an awesome product overall get the print publication too it's something special um bob do you have like all the print publications like somewhere like stored yeah, away or display together oh i
2: do i i do have them they're all in a garage in big boxes but i've kept them all uh over the the, the pro forecast this is our 33rd year We've added titles over the course of time: the draft book, cheat sheets, and Football Diehards magazine. So, uh, so there's plenty out there, and uh, it takes up a lot of space in the garage.
0: Awesome. Well, I hope your wife doesn't mind. Uh, I know, I know, we don't, and we appreciate your work here, Bob. Everyone, keep it, keep it easy, uh, keep it in between here over the la- next week. There's some new n- news; that's definitely going to happen. Um, but as Bob said, let's take a holistic approach to this. Let's simmer down, um, and guys, we'll be back next week uh, with our all-in episode. So we're going to tell you. Who we're going all in on this uh, this season? Super excited for that. Until then, guys, keep it in between. Your destination for both some feel good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice.